It's September 27th, 2020, and welcome to episode 43.5 of the Baby Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Hello, everybody. And Callie. Hello, everyone. Okay, so uh, we have a special episode here, uh, episode 43.5, because the number 44 is significant to Baby Metal, and the 10-year anniversary is in two weeks, basically. So we didn't want to burn 44 on this one. So, yeah. So that, therefore, it is 43.5. We almost, it was almost perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just needed to wait another almost. week. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe we can actually lead off this um, by talking about next time uh, a little bit. So next time is episode 44. Next time is uh, we'll be recording on October 11th, which is the day after the date that they sort of announced as being important to them early on. So, you know, October 10th is supposed to be supposed to be something. Something, <laughs> um, maybe. But uh and October 11th is also the year anniversary of the forum. So it's pretty, it's kind of a, it's kind of a big deal yeah. time. It's kind of crazy. It's already been a year from the forum. I know. Oh, it's gone so quick. It really has. Yeah. So we thought, I guess, that we would, uh, that it might be a good chance to do a little reflection episode as well. Uh, so we were thinking that we could have you, the listener, write in with your just sort of share with us your your thoughts on the past year um it's a little bit reminiscent of the kitsune moments that we did uh before uh, but focused on 2019 to 2020 the, the past year so the time since the forum i suppose <laughs> right you can include the forum we we give you permission to include the forum and maybe even some tour dates before that it's been an interesting year it's been 10 years i'd like to hear people's thoughts on that yep so you're not allowed to talk about two years but you can talk about either one or ten (laughs) (laughs) no i think it would be i uh, we had some really interesting responses last time and um and i think it's i think this would be kind of a fun way to do it it's it's sort of a momentous occasion so definitely uh by the way i have a a construction going on on the uh the like light rail thing outside my room here so i'm hoping that doesn't make it through the microphone but if you hear some construction noises that's what that is i hear nothing Hello. Perfect. Hooray for modern technology. Hooray. So this time we have the the actual sort of topic to the extent that we have a topic on this episode is the interview that they gave out with the Legend Metal Galaxy, the one set. We have a translation of that now and we, we can talk through a little bit about what's in there. Um, otherwise, we have a bit of recent news it's kind of light this time so maybe it's also suitable for a a 0.5 episode yeah yeah we had now it was a little while ago uh, as we're recording but uh, we had a couple of interviews that herman lee did on his twitch stream so herman lee of dragon force uh, talked both with joachim broden of sabaton and with tim henson of polyphia and in both you know, I think they were talking about other things. I didn't see anything but the little bits that were excerpted where they talked about working with Baby Metal. So did you guys see this? Mm-hmm. Either of these? I didn't catch it live, but I caught the uh, the re-uploads on YouTube. 
he, Herman Lee actually seems pretty engaging as a as a personality, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't. This didn't lead me to you know subscribe or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it would be interesting to talk to to watch him talk about this. Maybe also talk about Dragon Force. I don't. I I only know Dragon Force because Dragon Force is the thing that. When somebody does a reaction video on Road of Resistance, they all go, oh, this is Dragon Force. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's not terribly surprising. We also learned yesterday that Paul didn't know who Blink-182 was. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, we, uh, um, the uh, Blink-182 is one of those names that I knew of, but yeah, I hadn't, um, I hadn't listened to it. Mm-hmm. So Kevin pointed me to a song that allegedly was like the most famous song <laughs> of the past decade or something. And I know. So, uh, though I would say it sounds a lot like other people that aren't them. <laughs> Although I, I can't say that those other people aren't, you know, the, the imitators. Who knows? Back to Yoakum. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Twitch interviews, um, I think the first one, first one that actually happened was the one with Tim Henson of Polyphia. I might be wrong about the order, but at any rate, there were there were two of these. And this was conducted sort of, you know, actually they were both conducted remotely, you know, so mm-hmm. so um we had Herman Lee on one side and in one square or whatever and the and the interviewee on the other. I think it was really it was interesting to hear really kind of behind the scenes process with no filter. Yeah. <laughs> so this was not PR work. Um yeah, so we so it was clear. I mean, when we when we heard from Tim Henson, it was fairly clear. I think that he did not really know Babe Metal in advance. He didn't really know much about like what was happening. Uh, he was just sort of contacted cold, and he sort of said, "You know, okay, I can do this for you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he he went on he went on at some length to talk about how like he was really careful to wall this off and give it kind of the minimum amount of time. Like he didn't want to ever go back to it. He just did the thing and then sent it in. And it turned out that they took it. Like they didn't, they didn't do anything further with it. They just took what he sent and that was it, which Herman Lee was kind of surprised by. He's like, Oh really? We had to go back and forth. <laughs> like apparently the, the, uh, for the ones that Herman Lee was responsible for, which may only have been road of resistance. I'm not sure if there were others, but uh, apparently that had to go back and forth quite a bit. Yeah. He was just kind of explaining his process in that. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it was disrespectful or anything, um, but the way he likes to work is compose something and bang it out and not have to ever open it again. Um, he says, uh, and I quote, if I have to open it again, it feels like work. <laughs> yeah. Right. Although they paid him for this. Right. Right. <laughs> so it was work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I think part of the thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way initially was that uh, he put it on like an entirely lower tier than anything he would want to work on for himself. He's like, uh, I, you know, I do not want to open this again because it's going to take away time from my own stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which is artist to artist. Mean, I, yeah. Anyway, I found it a little bit annoying. Um, and then he spent the whole second half of the time talking about how he wants to sort of like do it fast in one one shot, but then he also wants to blow people away mm-hmm. and, and make them, you know, so I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, he talked. Another thing that was interesting about that was that he talked about the the track that he got um, where they, they had basically put 
some kind of like bad synthesizer in for where the vocals were going to be. And like he had this beta mm-hmm. version track and he just was, he made the guitars polyphia E and then uh, sent it back. Right. And never heard from them again. And then, and then was surprised by the, you know, when they had the little bit of brand new day from legend metal galaxy on the Twitter feed, he's like, you know, he, he uh, was trying to, I think we mentioned this before. He was trying to sort of marshal the troops to convince them to have polyphia play with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. He was very impressed with the final track. And then Herman, you know, also talked with Joachim Brodan. Anyone want to talk about that? There's something I wanted to mention there too, but uh, I can mention that after you describe it. I can, I can give it a try. Um, so unlike Tim, Joachim was approached when they were touring in Japan for um, Dark Knight Carnival and supporting them there. Mm-hmm. Um, they recorded it, or his part, in Osaka. And unlike Tim Henson, he was actually being given direction and things like that. Um, he mentioned having to do just tons and tons of takes. Uh, he lost <laughs> his voice. Um, he kept wanting, quote, more power for his part. Um, sounds kind of like he was working for yeah. Stanley Kubrick or something. But uh, <laughs> uh, he, d- he ended up thinking the song and video was weird, but he ended up loving it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, was pretty yeah it was very complimentary of the uh, the whole band and crew and staff as well. Everybody being very professional, very nice. Um, he did seem a little bit puzzled by the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> but what I thought was cool, though, um, I think it was here, that it's, it's been a little while since I've watched it, but um, at some point, and it must have been here, um, Herman Lee actually played a little bit of the, like the track he got for, like he he played his beta track for, I think it was Road of Resistance. So we got a, we got a little um, a little taste of like what they were working with to begin with, which was pretty wild. Oh, I missed that. Did, if everybody missed that, I don't think I dreamt it, but it's possible that it was in some other video. But yeah, Herman Lee has leaked a little bit more than would have been uh, ideal in Koba's mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's Herman Lee; he can do what he wants. But yeah, no, I think that, I think that's I love hearing that stuff, like the process. I mean, like you know, I I, I like the immersive lore and whatever, but I actually really want to hear like just how they do it. From a very practical level, yeah. yeah, for sure. Anything behind the curtain is always interesting. I w- and I always figure that it really is. It really is probably a lot of this is kind of mundane, you know. Like people go in and make decisions in their meetings, and then go home and like watch TV, and <laughs> <laughs> then come back and make more decisions in their meetings. Even though it is, it's it's often kind of tempting to to give everything big significance about like the choices that they make, but mm-hmm. really, you know, it's, it's about well, you know. The venue was open. This venue wasn't available on a Wednesday. Right. <laughs> we needed a Wednesday. Anyway, so watch that if you haven't. It's, I mean, each one is like five minutes long. They're really short. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope somebody's paying attention to the Twitch stream now so that uh, if there are more things, we can hear about them. I am subscribed to him on Twitch. So if something happens, I'm ready. All right. Nice. Perfect. Okay. What else? Other other news. This all seems very old. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> There, there were like a week ago or a week and a half ago or something, a couple more sort of explainer video type things. So uh, Chief Sweet did a, who is, he's, he's somebody who's done a number of reactions and things. And he did a, a kind of a sort of an overview. Um, so this wasn't a reaction. It was just sort of a, like, this is who, this is what Babe Metal is um, and sort of explained their origins and, you know, largely correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there were yeah i think i think anyone who 
is listening to the podcast probably when they watch it, they will think, well, actually, and a couple of times, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> it's it, he's very enthusiastic mm-hmm. at these. He, he definitely has that going. Definitely. And uh, we, and we mentioned um, Andrew Hartley, uh, the video he did last time for what was it? He did uh, Doki Doki Morning, I guess. And he had, since since then had posted a couple more, um, one on Headbanger and one on Mikitsune. And I have inside info that uh, he attempted to do Akatsuki, but um, uh, that got blocked immediately. Right. <laughs> so, oh well. <laughs> but maybe there'll be more of those. Um, oh yeah, Kevin, we figured out the card system. We did. Well, we think we did. Tell us about the story. Yeah. And what I meant by card too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that was very opaque. Right. So with your Legend S restream merchandise people well not all people some people have been getting uh little thank you cards that are about the about the size of a business card um quote unquote signed by mo and sue um mm-hmm. and everybody seemed to be getting different quantities or not getting them at all but we think we figured it out um all credit to darren on this one uh, he's the one who made the connection um you seem to be getting one card for each item ordered so if you got five things, you got five cards. And this is this has been true for I think I've checked with about seven people. Oh, small sample, but but enough to make me think that we we figured out the system. At least the US store system. At least the US store system, right? The UK store system seems to be don't send them. No, no, I didn't get any. I think I think for the UK I think you have to ha- order a patch or maybe the whole set to get at least one card. Because I, I didn't order the patch and I didn't get any. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> In the chat, uh, Paul s- suggests that maybe the UK store system is that you don't get your stuff at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that certainly matches it matches my card haul. Yeah. Um, I have I have many. I still think, I mean, I, I think we talked about this last time and, um, actually that it didn't, isn't even on the feed yet, but, uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, it, it really did seem like two would have been a sensible number to give to everybody yeah. because then you could see both sides, but some people got one, some people got seven. I think I got seven because I bought a lot of stuff. <laughs> but. Should send some to Cali. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking we should probably do some sort of redistribution of wealth here. I only got one from A Smart. Yeah. They're kind of cool though. They're pretty small. Yeah, like I said, they're about the size of a business card. Maybe a business card plus ten percent. Yeah. Business card. Yeah. It won't fit in your wallet, but you're gonna have trouble finding a frame for it. Yep. Yep. Uh Okay, let's see. The so there's a thing I'll I'll mention this quickly, even though it's going to be obsolete. Um, but Katakawa, we talked about them. They're the publisher who are going to put they're putting out this. I think it's like 220 some page uh, music magazine book thing um, commemorating the 10th anniversary of Babe Metal, and they have they actually have released a cover, so we know what the cover is. We have a couple of new photos. Um, Oh, actually, yeah, there is a reason to talk about that. Although all of this, what's interesting about talking about any of this stuff is that, uh, so we have the cover. We're about two weeks out from the actual release of the real physical magazine or book or MOOC. Uh, So anything we speculate about now, we will know whether it's true or false very soon. (laughs) 
So if you listen to if you're listening to this episode more than two weeks from when we record it, then then this will all sound like nonsense. <laughs> but that's okay. It's kind of fun anyway. So, but we learned. I guess we learned um, a fair amount. I didn't take notes on it, but we learned a fair amount about like some of the extra people that are going to get little like individual interviews, people that they've collaborated with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's quite a lot. Um, it shaped up to be a lot more than I expected it to be with the amount of people they brought on board to talk about it. Yeah, it really isn't. It's it's really it's a big deal thing. So it's it's not just Koba and and whoever that what was that person's name? Demon somebody. <laughs> Demon Kaka. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's also like a lot of musicians and other people that they've collaborated with. Mm-hmm. Um, among the special guests, it says Yoshiki from X Japan. I, I think that's probably Tak Matsumoto from Bees. Yep. Uh, Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Uh, Slipknot, Dragon Force, Bring Me the Horizon, Mikiko Metal. Uh, and some other people whose names are written in Japanese that I can't immediately gather but uh, it's a lot it's, i mean that's a lot of people they're they're talking they're talking with all of the you know featuring people mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of looks like um in the lower corner you know it says i think this is basically like forty thousand characters long interview spiritual message <laughs> <laughs> i'm really excited i, I don't know why message. but i'm really excited for the spiritual message <laughs> <laughs> we will all be enlightened I know, I really want to know what that means <laughs> And they wrote Spiritual Message in English yeah. Long interview they wrote in Japanese But maybe that's what it is It's sort of like, you know, if you speak Japanese You understand all this is is a long interview But if you're a foreigner that speaks only English Then we're going to make you think that it's a, something something more deep <laughs> <laughs> And they have So, Callie, you, uh, you pointed out something about the costume yeah so that i think the the jewel or the gem around their neck i think moe's is the same from previous costume but if you and sue's gem is more like orangey my amber but if you look further down you can see she has kind of like triangle shapes on her like chest on the top of the costume so that is completely different and it looks Mm. like they're going for like a gold theme Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Moe's looks kind of different, but you can't really tell. You can see more of um, Sue's costume. So that's interesting. I assume that they've got these new costumes just for this kind of uh, book thing. Yeah, or maybe they made them for yeah. whatever they were planning to do in October they, here. They probably have a ton of photos of them in their costume in that. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, they have. They sort of picked fairly early on this kind of gold theme for the 10 year stuff. Yeah. You know, so that lovely t-shirt that everybody loves, uh, <laughs> which is the design from the front of the website is all, it's all very gold colored. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, so the, the actual cover has a uh, sort of half of each of Sue metal and Moa metals faces a little bit more than half. Their full noses are <laughs> included, right. but only one eye. Um, and you know, so it's basically sort of like a headshot, but you can see like the very top of their, costumes mm. so that's what we're looking at so we can see like what their collars look like and and maybe a little lower but uh on moa's there's a there's a little i don't know what you would call it exactly but there's a little circular thing um right at the front yeah well it's just like a gemstone isn't it brooch that looks maybe a little different yeah i was i was thinking brooch but i, I always thought a brooch had to be detachable <laughs> how do we know it's not yeah yeah it could be <laughs> i guess we don't know <laughs> Um, the, the sort of area around it doesn't, that looks a little bit different. Like there's a, probably a four part design, like a sort of North to South, East, West 
sub circle in there that I don't remember seeing in the other costumes. And Suze is quite, quite a bit more ornate looking too. Mm -hmm. That one actually looks like it has something sort of like amber, like an amber type stone yeah, or something. So I think hers is, Moa's gem is is the same on her previous question, but the surrounding bit isn't because that's more like gold right. bronzy. I think hers on her other costume is more silver. Yeah. Or like, yeah, gray. Bronze. That's what it is. Bronze. It's not gold. It's bronze. <laughs> that's the theme. <laughs> right. So it really does go with the um, baby metal's affinity to the number three. Yeah. <laughs> they make everything bronze. <laughs> Uh, we're number three. Yes. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's going to be really excellent. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do because it's 200 pages, uh, you know, probably 140 of them with, with a lot of Japanese mm -hmm. on them <laughs> that we can't read. But we'll do our best. We'll find a way. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's going to be great. Um, what a, another thing that we have um and this is this is sort of the last non-interview thing, is NHK World is doing a Songs of Tokyo festival, um, and that is I think it's it's bringing together something like twenty-ish artists or so. They do basically sort of like a music. It's it's all music I think uh, a music festival, and so I forget if we knew this before when we recorded last time. I don't think we did. I think this is new since then, but. They, they put something out something like a week ago indicating so we knew we knew something about this and it's they're recording it on the 10th and the 11th in two weeks from now and we know even more specifically that baby metal's recording on the 11th and the new bit of news is that we know that it's airing on October 24th and 25th and then the next weekend on October 31st and November 1st so we don't know which which of those days baby metal is on but it could it could be Halloween October mm -hmm. 31st is one of the options so, I mean, that's something to look forward to. It's something they're going to record after the 10th. Uh, and it's probably not going to be too elaborate. I, I can't, I can't quite figure it out, but, uh, it seems like there are four episodes that, you know, they're airing on each of those four days, the 24th and 25th, and then the 31st and 1st. And the, the, we can, they're, um, available world, worldwide. NHK World has, uh, it's like a streaming site you can watch this on. So, that's good. It's not like wow, wow, but it looks to me like they're only like forty-five minute episodes, so they're gonna they're stretching twenty artists over three hours, and so Baby Metal's not gonna be a huge chunk mm -hmm. of it. Well, they or it might be a huge chunk of it, but it won't be that long, even absolutely. They've been on it before, right? Well, they've been on this channel, but I I, I think just their prior appearances on the channel. Th this is still a different show, so uh, I don't know if we know. I don't know if we can um. Like, or was there a Songs of Tokyo 2016? Maybe there was. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I don't remember if it was Songs of Tokyo, but I remember they've been on NHK World. I'd have to double check mm -hmm. if it was Songs of Tokyo. Yeah, but I think it was, I think it was like four years ago, 2016, maybe, maybe 2015. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was a, a substantial amount of time ago. Perhaps that will give us some kind of indication of like what to expect. Yeah. Um, Paul also thinks it was 2016 in chat. I guess all I was trying to figure out was whether, um, how predictive that is because hmm. my impression of songs of Tokyo from the little bit that I have figured out uh, about it is that they're doing something sort of special this time um, because it's like they would have done something different if everybody hadn't been locked down is my impression. Yeah. 
But yeah, there have been little features on different, like individual groups on this mm -hmm. channel too. So I think that's what we had been hoping for, but, but I think that's not this. Maybe they'll do something like that later. But since I think this was overall announced since we last recorded, I don't think we talked about the, the call that they had for fans. Did we? I don't think so. So did you guys sign up I did. for that? Yeah, certainly did. So a, I, I presume somebody who works for NHK, uh, this is how I found out about it, posted on a J-pop subreddit looking for people to participate in this Songs of Tokyo Festival virtually, um, Baby Metal being one of the options. Uh, you had to fill out a questionnaire, um, you know, how do you know about them, significant moments, you know, what does it mean mm -hmm. to you, um, how does their music resonate differently in 2020 with COVID um, things like that. It, it was more in depth than I expected it to be. Um, but I guess the format of the show is if you're selected, um, you will be there uh, with other artists. Fans have asked questions directly to the artist. Uh, I, I'd be shocked if baby metal says yes to that, but yeah. um, <laughs> that is one of the things. Or get given a question to say instead yeah. of thinking of one on your on your own. <laughs> I think that's more likely. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of unclear what the participation is beyond that. Um, but you had to commit to being available October 10th and 11th, kind of in the early evening uh, JST. Is it going to be before we, re we record or after? It would be before. Next uh -huh. okay. <gasps> interesting so I, I i assume all yeah i guess all three of us signed up for it <laughs> so um so yeah actually i guess we should quick make sure we get this episode out quick just in case like, some spies are <laughs> can bring us in as a group <laughs> i think that'd be pretty wild uh i i, I wouldn't expect any actual interaction mm -hmm. you know uh exactly but uh it, it does seem like it is kind of targeted for a foreign audience right yeah. like so outside japan yeah it was in english and the uh the form i did mention that they're looking for more international fans to take part um because the last one they did was quite successful i suppose um bringing in international people so they wanted to do that again mm -hmm. and expand on that because it was really successful so i'm looking forward to watching it whether or not i can participate mm -hmm. i mean i'm actually of two minds about participating because it would be it'd be super great, but at the same time I'd be terrified. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so good luck to all of us. Yes, uh, I have yet to hear anybody having been contacted by them, but I also have this hypothesis that if you are contacted, that might part of the deal might be that you don't talk about mm. it before it airs. Mm. So, um, so I guess if we all if we all say nothing about it at all <laughs> next time, you will know <laughs> to pay attention on the you know. End of October. Right. But, uh, okay. Let's see. So the, the topic that we wanted to talk about, um, was the, that interview from that came with the one set of legend metal galaxy, I guess came with the one came with the, the one set. <laughs> of legend metal galaxy. Say that three times fast. <laughs> yeah. I, I always kind of like the opportunity to talk about, um, like of the various versions, you have like the sun one and the moon one and the, the one one. <laughs> You're getting yourself in a mess. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so we had this, this interview, it was very long for like interviews that we usually get at least. And it was basically about the, the production and kind of like the, it was a little bit behind the scenes ish on Legend Metal Galaxy. It was a little bit about the tour, but 
mainly it was about uh, things really based around that show. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, one thing that's nice about that is that it doesn't. Um, it's it's not really repeating a lot of the exact same stuff that they were saying before, at least you know because it was really specific to that performance. Is there anything that anyone wanted to lead off with? Obey. Yeah. That was my takeaway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was actually, it was pretty interesting to see. Like, so um, Sue and Ma, you know, sort of focused on different things as you might've expected. Um, but Ma kind of repeatedly, uh, it was, it was interesting. Like there was kind of a theme that ran through Ma's discussion. One was, Boy, this was a lot of work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like, like we specifically try to make this look, uh, easy when it's very hard, but it was actually really hard. And we, I, you know, I want you to know that it was mm. very hard. <laughs> um, and, and uh, she also, uh, mentioned, uh, I think a couple of times that, that, um, she kind of wants the audience to be able to see the tricky choreography. Like it was, it was hidden in, in certain ways. So she mentioned this in, with respect to Omaj and I, mm. uh, that like it's really a, a complicated choreography, and and if you mess up, you bring down the whole line. <laughs> um, but uh, but no one's paying attention to them because they're all looking at the you know the giant yoga. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sue so agrees, mentioning that uh, they felt like Yoakum's backup dancers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Everybody, like, jump in if you if if anything I say reminds you of something you wanted to say. Um, but maybe I'll, I'll kind of I'll kind of run through it somewhat chronologically, even though we're not reading it to you. One thing that I thought was kind of a neat thing that uh, Sue mentioned was there was it was a little bit sad. This whole thing, like, like she would she would think about that partway through the songs that uh, they were doing a lot of work, particularly the new songs, you know, the ones that that were premiering at Legend of Metal Galaxy. They were doing a lot of work setting this up and basically just for one, one performance uh, and that they were never going to perform it in this form again. So she, you know, she mentioned having this, this kind of sadness, which I thought was interesting. I would have thought they would have had similar feelings with things like Tokyo Dome and other huge things, mm-hmm. but we, I don't think we've ever heard anything like that. The way this was actually translated was, uh, you know, she was sort of sad about rehearsing them, doing them, and then never performing them in that form again. And, you know, my little conspiracy theory brain went, went off on that never in that form again and, and wondered, you know, like, what does that mean? Of course it did. <laughs> like, is it, does it mean never with so many Avengers, never with any Avengers, <laughs> um, never played again at all? Um, Stroking the fire. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, th- I mean, it, it probably really, you know, she felt like this, after Tokyo Dome or up to Tokyo Dome as well. And, you know, nobody interviewed her about mm. that <laughs> or she was younger or whatever. I mean, I always thought there, there's something, it's like uh, those sand paintings or whatever, mm. right? You know, you know, you make this beautiful thing and part of the art of it is the fact that it, it's very fleeting. <laughs> the interviewer kind of walked them through the show, you know, the, so they talked largely about the, the new songs. They t- Mo talked a little bit about the dancing in, in Brand New Day and how different it was. One thing that stood out to me was that, uh, like, she thought the silhouette effect was cool. It was kind of cooler than she had anticipated, um, but she wants people to see her dance too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she can't wait to do it in like a little or a venue where, like, 
where it's not all just shadows. Right. Oh, in a movie. so cute. <laughs> yeah. So you you do get the sense out of this that that Moa uh, would like to be seen mm-hmm. <laughs> and obeyed, but we'll get to that part too. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that came out from Sue, uh, I think, a couple of times was this was a uh, at least a professed uncertainty uh, about like how people are going to react. Mm. So both homage and I and BMC were new then she never performed it in front of uh, an audience before. Right. Um, and so both of those, she was talking about sort of wondering what was gonna, what, the, what people were going to take mm-hmm. away from that. Sue said she was looking forward to the, what the heck is this response to homage and I <laughs> can't confirm. She nailed it. That was my first thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the, yeah, I mean, this was the one they were talking a little bit about um, kind of balancing the, the sort of childlike cuteness and the more adult-like comic aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really does. I mean, this, the whole thing was comedy from start to finish. I mean, they, they started with the uh, goofy cartoon about the metalers getting stuck uncontrollably dancing, <laughs> mocking each other, and then also getting stuck. Right. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then this um, just over-the-top ridiculous movie playing behind them of the many Yoakums. Very funny. But um, it was commented by the interviewer that, like, the uh, interviewer was, like, not even paying attention to them. They were just watching the movie. <laughs> 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 Which, um, yeah, so that's when the backup dancers thing came mm-hmm. in. I mean, a lot of it's really interesting. Um, I, and I got to just say, go read it. We'll put it in the show notes um, because I don't think we do it justice just talking about it. You know? No, yeah, you do have to read the whole thing. You, you do really kind of need to read the whole thing. Um, some highlights mm-hmm. for me. Uh, they talk about headbanger Moa being surprised mm-hmm. that there was anything special about it. Um, however, the interviewer thought they were extra intense. Uh, Moa enjoyed ordering everybody to bow from on high. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about bringing a more adult look and feel to choreography um, and contrasting that to the more the, the childlike aspect that they had done, you know, their whole career before that. Uh, something I thought that mm-hmm. was profound and interesting was the trilogy of light sequence starlight shine and arcadia uh sue felt like it was a summary of a year yui metal officially leaves starlight comes out half a year and then arcadia performed and shined at legend m and she goes on to talk about legend m some more uh, about shine it was as if they decided to go forward together hand in hand um most miles and nods sue said she renewed her resolution (laughs) at the time uh culmination start Story of something in a different dimension. Sue doesn't know. Yeah, that was kind of neat. That little section about the the trilogy of lights at mm-hmm. the end. People got very excited because um, you you know those those who can't read Jap- Japanese characters can still see in that section. It says you email. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of just jump, jumps out at you, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it turned out that that was basically just like a list of things that happened in the past mm-hmm. year. <laughs> so but yeah, they talk about IDZ and it being important. Um, we learned that Moa watched the Legend S stream and realized it had been a long time since they'd played uh, IDZ. Um, so that's kind of cool. If you were watching the Legend S stream, you had you had some interesting people watching with you. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was neat. It was interesting to know that Moa mm-hmm. was watching it. Um, but it was also interesting to know how recently this interview was done. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, that... Uh, you know, this was this was done just a little bit after the Legend Legend Us stream, according to like Moa yeah. said, you know, just the other day she was mm-hmm. watching it. 
For everybody who is all concerned about them not doing any work over the summer and being lazy. <laughs> they certainly were. This is evidence they were doing work. Work was being done. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's some other good nuggets in there. Again, you should really go read it. Uh, the last one I will call out, Moa talks about Headbanger again. Uh, and she was undecided when she was encouraging people to kneel because she thought she'd want to see the show and not kneel. Uh, but in retrospect, she feels she should have been more commanding. So next time she will order people with authority. <laughs> Disobedience. Dame. <laughs> Zetai. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obey her. What was funny is that uh, they were wrapping up the thing and Moa said, well, wait, there's one more thing I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually the, she did this. Moa did something like that with, um, uh, you know, at some point though, with the PMC interview, um, she'd stored up this joke. She was waiting to tell the PMC audience that they should, they should like BMC because <laughs> it sounded like PMC. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, it, you do, you do really kind of get a, a sense of them as humans in a mm-hmm. sense here. I mean, it doesn't get out of the, it, it, we still, you know, don't leave the big metal bubble, but it, you know, nevertheless it does, you know, they, they do have some character. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say this is perhaps the most human interview I've read with them or seen. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel produced, I guess is maybe the right word. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. somebody's looking over their shoulders saying you can't say that. And, you know, and that might be completely inaccurate. You know, I'm sure there was still a team of people and they they know what they can and cannot say. Um, but it doesn't come across as right. hard as it maybe used to. So, so it does definitely feel more genuine. Yeah. And they had an opportunity to edit, Mm -hmm. of course, along the way, but, uh, I'm just looking at my notes at this and I I attributed to Moa the thought, man, that was a lot of work. Good job, me, (laughs) (laughs) which is, I think a pretty good summary. Yeah. That's a pretty good summary. (laughs) Um, but, uh, anyway, somewhere there, there, um, they were talking a bit about like, sort of talking a lot about how how to bring together the adult like elegance and the childlike cuteness and how, like it sounded the way they talked about it it sounded like they all talked about and thought about that a lot mm-hmm. you know that that this is really um something that the whole team is thinking about and worried about and having ideas about and sort of like spitballing about um and so I think that that may have been in particular with um, respect to Night Night Burn, um, which is that that has an interesting history because that's that's old. Um, that comes up in here too. That it didn't used to be this like Latin song, mm-hmm. you know. But that that's part of the adult part, and who knows what it used to be. <laughs> but uh, it was Ma said it was um, it was a little bit more like a children's song uh, before, and I think that was the one that that uh, actually caused them to like really have to think through like how do we fit all the pieces of big metal together, mm-hmm. you know, but it really also does seem like they, you know, they're specifically confronting the fact that they're not little kids anymore. So this isn't like little kids doing metal. This is, this is something else and they want to preserve all the pieces right. of it. Uh, I don't know, Kelly, was there any part of this that jumped out at you? Um, I don't know if it was mentioned in these notes, but I know from the video I watched that Moa mentioned how she studied the other two Avengers of how their dance mm-hmm. style and how she kind of incorporated it into her own, which I just thought was amazing of her to do. 
like she does so much more outside of baby metal than we thought. Mm-hmm. And it's not just all on Mikiko teaching her the dances. She does a lot of studying on her own. Mm-hmm. So that's quite special. Too professional. Yeah. Yeah. Very professional. Yeah. It was neat that she adapts her performance to whoever she's with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, she mentions that. Um, where did she mention that? She mentioned that in an interview that depending mm-hmm. on which Avengers she's dancing with, you know, she's, she, adapts how she performs to better match the other Avenger. And actually the, um, back during the tour, there's at least one time that I remember people commenting on where Riho slipped or something like that. And, and Moa mirrored it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Did. So that it, suddenly that makes it look like intentional. Right. <laughs> they do say in here somewhere, I think I said this already, that it's sort of a policy of theirs to do things that are very hard and make them look like they're very mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. But yeah, that was another thing actually that people were sort of talking about was that uh, at some point Moa mentioned, you know, with respect to the Avengers that like during the tour, it wasn't clear to me whether they were picking the Avenger day on the day or whether it was, you know, it was sort of planned out in a way to, to sort of make it make it possible for, you know, the Avengers to be in in good form, you know, and healthy and and uh, not tired and stuff when they're doing the shows. But that uh, Mo has to do them all. Like Sue and Mo have to do them all because they're the ones that are on the on the marquee. Mm-hmm. You know, they're baby metal. Yep. Um, so, so again, good job, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? I mean, like I, I can't imagine they didn't plan that ahead of time. Uh, like who was going to be on stage, and they they did have runs. You know, it was like a, a single Avenger for a series of shows. I always kind of wondered if like the other other ones were there. Or if, you know, Momoko had time off, she could go like run around and do touristy things. <laughs> there were a couple of translations that people did. So early on, uh, Lenzer, I think, did a, did a transcription of the Japanese characters so that you could send it through Deepel and get a sort of a sense of it. And then there was another translation where uh, what basically happened was somebody was very enthusiastic and translated into into Portuguese. And then someone took the Portuguese and ran it through Deepel. <laughs> Um, which was, you know, turned out kind of interesting, but I think it, it actually is somewhat interesting to look at these together. I get, I feel like I'm getting slightly closer to the original when I, when I have what an, what a, you know, an actual speaker's interpretation is mm-hmm. next to what Deep L tried to do. And, you know, even better next to like the Japanese, so I can sort of see what got translated. Right. And, you know, it's good practice for two weeks from now when, when you're trying to do this with 200 pages. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, maybe, okay. Maybe I will mention actually, um, the BMC part. Cause Sue mentioned that. Like there's a, there's a part in the middle of BMC where Sue's by herself th- uh, thrust forward on the stage, right? You know, kneeling down and she felt like very close to the audience. Um, and she wasn't sure how that was going to go. Um, and, she held, she was, yeah, I don't know. She felt sort of insecure about it, um, which is not the impression she gives when she performs it, but <laughs> nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a couple of different places, I think maybe it was Sue both times, but um, was sort of refer, uh, referred to kind of like an involuntary gasp that the audience uh, emitted, you know, that, that, that she really, uh, she really liked that, you know, um, I think, I think this may be both with um, homage and I and, and, uh, BMC, but she really liked this connection with the audience, like, you know, getting them to all kind of like involuntarily gasp or, oh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, I guess she had been concerned about being able to make this cool. Because as we all know, 
Suzuka Nakamoto is a is kind of like this little dorky person, right? <laughs> <laughs> unlike Sumel. <laughs> we know sort of how Suzuka looked as a kid, and I kind of wonder how that how you know to what extent the like the, the non Sumel part of her life is like that now. I imagine she she grew up to be slightly more confident. <laughs> And maybe she was confident before, but she was still, there was still, you know, endearing dorkiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the, the the thing I was actually trying to arrive at was that she mentioned in the interview that she couldn't stop smiling, you know, when, when she heard that. And uh, and there is this, um, you couldn't hear it that much in the released recording, but you could hear her kind of uh, giggle in the fan cams mm-hmm. at that point. Anything else? wanted to put in here no. taking go read it as given yeah no i don't <laughs> think so nope all right so i guess then we made it to the end of the things that we had in our notes um we should maybe reiterate that we are we will soon probably by the time you hear this uh post a call to the you know to all of you to submit your your thoughts somewhere on the past year and also possibly the past 10 years that we can talk about next time in episode 44. You could post that. I'm not sure where we're going to, where the venues are. We'll, we'll probably have a, a place in the Discord that you can post it and there'll probably be a place in Reddit. Yeah, we'll do Reddit, Discord, and uh, maybe a Google Sheet on Twitter. Yep. Yep, sounds good. Okay. Oh, on Twitter, yeah. And maybe you could email us. You could email us. <laughs> do we have an email? We have an email. <laughs> do, we never say that, do we? We just say join us yeah, on the you're right. Discord. But we do have a, uh, it's like feedback at babymetalpodcast.com. Yeah. Maybe I should put that in the script. <laughs> but anyway, but but do share with us your thoughts and join us when we record. We don't know what to, what to expect. I mean, you know, um, there's going to be a bunch of stuff to say, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, we'd also like to hear um, the reflections too. Mm-hmm. So, um, And that's it for this episode. You can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord to continue the conversation. Or you can email us at feedback at babymetalpodcast.com. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it, so please do that. We'll be back in about two weeks, and we hope you'll join us then. And until then, see you.